Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey. And I'm Aubrey, and we're your hosts. And we are in the middle of a really, really incredible, powerful series yeah. on singleness. It's not really about singleness. That's what I, I want to say. It, it's about pain within singleness. So mm. we've had Brooke Talley on, who's talked about um, her story of being a widow. We had Christopher Yuan on, who talked about holy sexuality and his yeah. um, you know, struggle with same-sex attraction. And now we're going to have Kate Warman, who really is kind of a, she's fierce. She is a fierce voice in singleness <laughs> yes, right now. I really like That's her. That's right. That's right. Yeah. She uh, is a Los Angeles-based author, a relationship coach. Uh, she's an online educator, speaker, podcaster, and the founder of Heart of Dating. So many of you are, are going to be familiar with Heart of Dating, the Heart of Dating podcast. Um, it is probably the the preeminent voice for Christian dating right now. Um, and it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal resource, especially if you found yourself or for whatever reason in a season where you're, you're kind of in that dating scene, um, whether you've never been married or you, you know, have been married and you know, you're, you're now in a found yourself in a season of singleness again. And so this is a great conversation. Um, if this conversation blesses you, if it ministers to you, would you go and tell us about that on Apple podcast rate and review, this podcast, it really encourages us to read your reviews, mm -hmm. to hear how this is yeah. having an impact in your life. And uh, I know that it encourages other people as well. I mean, think about all of the people who don't know the Lord out there reviewing or, you know, reading those reviews and trying to see if as, as this podcast pops up on their feed to go, should I, should I listen to this? And if you tell them, hey, there's so many inspiring stories that you can listen to here, they might just be in a season where they're looking for some hope. And, and you get to be kind of a catalyst to bring hope into their headphones. Partner with us and do that. Go rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. You're going to want to stick around afterwards for this, uh, after this interview that we have with Kate, because we're going to bring back our friend Taylor, the producer of this podcast, Yay, Taylor Carlier. We love Taylor. And she's going to join us as we have some commentary around Kate's story. So let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Kate Warman. Well, Kate, it is so great to have you joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thank you so much for taking time. Davey, I'm so happy to be here and I can't wait to dive in. Well, you, um, you're obviously, you are in a space, I mean, a prolific podcaster, now author. You're leading this ministry that helps people in dating. This is a huge deal. There's so many people that need help in dating, right? <laughs> all walks of life, all different we all, seasons. We all need it. <laughs> we yeah, all need we're it. all out here creating our oh. own rules. We all need help. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's so unique. I mean, your voice is a very unique one for us to have on the podcast. When I heard uh, and kind of your stuff came across my desk, I was like, oh, this is going to be so fun to talk to her. But I also know that you've got some some different points of your story and the work that you do that are, mm. that are painful points and some woundings. And that's where yeah. you've kind of birthed a lot of, a lot of the helping of people that you do. And so I'm excited to dive into this. Um, and why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself right now, give us context and then we'll kind of take whatever rabbit trails we feel like we need to take. Sure. So yeah, I am a single woman living in Los Angeles, California. I love it out here in sunny Cali. And I have the honor and the privilege to walk alongside thousands of single men and women in the area of dating and dating as a Christian specifically. And I always say it's like this ambiguous world and we're all in it together. <laughs> and so uh, I am shocked that God led me here and we'll get into that. But I never thought years ago mm. that I would be sitting here sharing about my dating story publicly or dating stories. There's many yeah. of them and my journey of dating. But what I've found and what is so rich is that there's something really beautiful and being able to sit alongside my brothers and sisters and be like, and my single brothers and sisters and be like, you were ghosted last week and I get it. 
it. Okay. I get it. I understand dating apps. Oh, I know what it, all of that is like. I know multiple rejections, being let on, friendationships, just the gamut. Know what it's like to almost marry a guy yeah. and that didn't work out, you know, so all sorts of things. And uh, so I have a podcast called Heart of Dating where we get to talk about all things dating, yeah. anything, nothing's off the table there. Uh, I did recently write a book this year called Thank You for Rejecting Me. Mm. And I just love getting to walk alongside men and women. We also have a dating program, which I love to talk yes. about. It's called Drop the Hanky. <laughs> and we love actually connecting men and women through this platform. So guys can join, women can join, and it's a way for people to kind of meet each wow. other uh, in a curated way. So for Christians to meet, I started it in covid and it kind of took yeah. off. And so I yeah. love getting to see people actually learn healthy dating and then meet for each other from across the yeah. world. So really fun. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I wish I had, I wish I had been turned on to your work when I was going through a season of dating. Uh, because here's, <laughs> you know, I, I just shared with you a little bit about our story before we got on the air. Yeah. And, you know, since then I, I've remarried. Um, yeah. but I went through a season where it was like, wait a minute. Okay. I'm, I'm a widower yeah. and now I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out how do you date and how do you date and yeah. under the pressure of being a pastor and having somewhat of a national story and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, and I remember meeting my wife now and we had this conversation. We're like, yeah. you know, she was a, she was divorced from a previous relationship. We both have a kid, each of us, you know, we're like, yes. how do you do this these days? Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's been years uh -huh. since we had, since we had been in the dating scene. So now it was, it was new apps and you know, all this. And we're like, swipe, what, where, what's going on? Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's, it's great. And, and, and he, texting also I changes know. the game. Like, you know, do I text first? Right. How long do I wait to text them back? Like, right. what's the deal? How long should these dates be? Like, do I bring in all my community? Everything is different now. It's Everything so different. is like, it's just a different day and age. It's so funny because <laughs> yeah. you bring that up in one of the first, like kind of eye opening conversations I had with her was over text. And I was that guy back in 2000, you know, 2009, 2010, I was a youth pastor helping yeah. these kids. I'm like, don't text. Come on, man, man up and break off a phone yeah. call. And here I am now 32 years old, right? Like texting this girl that I'm interested in. And I'm like, you know, kind yeah. of giggling and stuff. It's just, it's all, it yes. all changed. You know, it's yeah. so different. So it's different. So different. Now I'm like, okay, get on a FaceTime with the person. They're like, FaceTime. Huh? I'm like, yeah. If you met, <laughs> what? Like, yes, you did it. Most of the time people met in real life, everybody. Uh, okay. Man. So wow. FaceTime is fine. Just wow. get on a FaceTime date with them. You know, wow. it's so funny. It's so true. Well, the reality yeah. is, you know, like my story, even your story, so many stories of the people who are listening yeah. to this, um, their dating lives are also, it, it's, it's, it's a cross section too of some of the pain that's taken place in yeah. their life. And there's yeah. so much pain that has come out of their dating life and their married life, divorce life, whatever, you know, all the different seasons mm -hmm. that people are in. I know this ministry is also for you has been birthed out some uh, birthed out of some of the pain that you've walked through as well. Yeah. I would love yeah. to, to just hear about some of that. I'd love to hear a little bit about your own journey and, um, mm. and, and, and then some of these principles that you're learning and that you have learned out of some of your journey of rejection and betrayal and, you know, just some of those pain points of singleness. Yeah. All right. Well, well, let's get into it. Let's Davey. do it. Let's get into it. Do We're it. opening the can of worms. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I still laugh thinking about what I said earlier that I never thought I'd be sitting here sharing this right. story because about four or five years ago, if you, and I did actually have somebody really profoundly speak into my life saying, Kate, I believe that God is going to use your story mm. of dating, heartache and abuse to help people. And I remember this specific moment where this friend said this to me, it was probably about five or so years ago now. And I was like, oh my gosh, that will, ne no, like that's not, yeah. that's never going right. to happen. Like literally it was like the last scenario I ever thought possible yeah. because, you know, I was still working through even shame that I believed about mm. myself for my story and for so much of the pain that had happened in my life. And I was like, I know that all of that has happened and I've worked through a lot of it, but the thought of even sharing those things to other right. people right. was um, very, very overwhelming and brought up a lot of fear for me. Uh, so my story goes, I was brought up in a lovely family, but it was very tumultuous at the same time. Mm -hmm. I, I loved my parents, but you know, they just had, a, they were fighting a lot of the time and there was a lot of problems in their marriage. And so as a child, you interpret that however you're going to interpret it. And the way I interpreted was, 
is I'm doing something wrong or I need to do more mm. so that um, this situation can be better. So some of the tendencies I learned were I started becoming a performer and I was like, I need mm. to perform to be seen. I need to be performed I need to perform to be heard. Um, and essentially what I was looking for was a sense of love and validation right. and just being heard by my family. Eventually when these things didn't exactly work, I ended up turning into uh, turning to another resource, which was instead of just performing in things like uh, sports or in school, I started looking for validation in dating. Mm. And in high school from a very young age, I started you know, being quote unquote boy crazy, as I would call it back in the day. <laughs> and um, I mean, it, it started earlier in life, but then in high school, um, I, you know, moved schools. I I told you this earlier, Davey, I lived in Ohio and mm -hmm. it was in high school. Okay. So I was in the Midwest. I moved high schools and I became the popular girl and it just changed everything in my life. Mm. Uh, I started thinking, oh my gosh, guys are actually seeing me. And so that year that I moved, I had 16 boyfriends, uh, quote unquote, <laughs> if you can call them that. Uh, yeah, yes. And we just, as soon as they would lose interest, I would end it because I didn't want to risk that rejection. Right. And right. I would move on to the next one. Right. And so I was just seeking little bits of validation um, from male type figures yeah. because I wasn't getting that, especially from my father and my own home life. Um, moving after that year of 16 boyfriends, I just entered into another other relationship. That one ended up being a five-year relationship, little bits of time where we broke up in that relationship. But uh, then finally, five years later, uh, I ended that relationship and I hopped into another relationship that ended up being a two and a half year relationship that was incredibly abusive in every sense of the word. Um, from sexually abusive to physically abusive, emotionally abusive, just basically all of the abuse. And it started with the emotional abuse um, and then slid into all the other kinds of abuse. And that was the first time I'd ever been in a situation that was abusive to that extent. Yeah. And we can definitely go through some of those details, but I would say at that point in my life, in that abusive relationship, while outwardly I was working this great career, uh, I was in my 20s and I was out of college. I was like living in New York City and I was working in fashion and nobody would have thought that behind closed doors, what was really happening, the girl in the, you know, the dresses and the lipstick and the stilettos I was working at, at the fashion offices was going back home and fighting with her boyfriend until four in the morning and having extreme traumatic abuse behind closed doors. Um, in that time, I was wrestling so much with my identity that I felt so much shame that I could be this girl that was killing it at work. But then behind closed doors, I was I had so much destruction. So I ended up developing just really a ton and ton of self-hatred. Um just hating the person that I was. Nothing was ever good enough. I would berate myself internally for every small mistake I did, for every small thing I said. I got to the point where I was so insecure about who I was and even talking to people that I could barely look people in the eyes. I was afraid that they would see some flaw in me. So I would like look people in the eyes for a millisecond and then look away. Because just looking into someone's eyes, I was like, they're, they're going to see me. And then they're going to know that I'm a fraud. They're going to know I'm an imposter. They're going to know that I'm either too much or not enough, whatever it was. I was so lost within all of these lies. Um, two and a half years around this abuse merry-go-round, um, it was incredibly hard to leave that relationship. A lot of people think, well, obviously this person's abusive. Like, leave that person. Uh, they're treating you terribly. They're gaslighting you. They're um, they're obviously lying to you. And why wouldn't you just leave? But that response is so um, limiting of somebody's experience right. because. For me, it, there was so much manipulation and so many lies that I believed about myself that I, right. and so much of my identity that I was placing in this man choosing me and this man loving me and this man changing for me, which were all things that he was never going to be able to do, right? Uh, based on his own health and his own background. And so it was really, really hard for me to leave that relationship. Um, so two and a half years into it, I ended up reaching a breaking point where I did end the relationship once and for all because I tried too many times before. And it was in that moment that um, I had to face uh, a lot of really hard things about myself because I really realized that at the end of the day, I 
did not even like anything that I saw in the mirror. Um, I was the skinniest I'd ever been, but I I had body dysmorphia. I didn't think that I looked beautiful. Um, I told myself a plethora of lies. And then when I thought about it over and over, and I was like, well, how did I get here? What I realized is for 10 years, I was dating back to back to back to back. And there was not a single season at all where I was single, uh, where I was like truly without another person relationship in my life. And I realized that I didn't know who Kate was at all outside of men and outside of performing. Because if I didn't have men, then I also had my job or my good grades in school and the performance. So who was Kate outside of men and validation and dating and performing? And that set me on a journey of pressing into the heart of God, of major healing and seeking renewal and trying to go through all those layers of how did I get here? Why did I, why do I believe these things about myself? Unraveling the shame um, and actually for a season, cutting men out of my life entirely because 10 years dating, you realize you need a break. (laughs) It's time for a break. Um, And so I cut men out of my life for a series of a few years um, until I felt more ready to enter back into dating. And I like to say I felt more ready, but I would never say that we're like 100%. I'm ready to go. I'm fully healed. Nothing. I'm never going to be triggered ever again. That place just never really comes. You know, like we can, (laughs) we keep, it's a journey. It's a journey. So I was in a good place and I started trying to date again, but I wanted to date in a new way. And that's the point in my life where I started researching, well, what does it look like to date in a new way? Mm. What does it look like to date and like stay firm in my worth? What does it look like to date and actually have a certain amount of non-negotiable qualities that I'm looking for? What does it look like to not fall in love with somebody in like a month (laughs) or like in a week of knowing them? Okay, let's be honest. That was my track record. Um, What does it look like to bring in community and have discernment and be vulnerable and share with a few close people what the journey was looking like between me and somebody I was dating? And so that kind of led me to research, you know, dating in better ways. And I, I did find ways to date better, but I also realized there was like a lack of resources for Christians and dating because dating isn't talked in the Bible. So talked about in the Bible. (laughs) Uh, So eventually that's kind of where God led me to where I am today. Um, But I will say this before we dive maybe into more of these details. Um, I do think it's quite funny and also beautiful of God, but um, the podcast started in the wake of a heartbreak, actually. Mm. And um, I, I, honest to goodness, don't believe that I ever would have had the courage to start Heart of Dating and what I do now in this ministry, helping thousands of people in their dating lives, if that man who I thought I was going to marry a few years ago, if he hadn't have ended our relationship. Mm. Um, As devastating as that healthy relationship was, I I know now looking back that I in ways needed it to happen because it allowed for God to use that space of heartbreak to cultivate this passion that I have now um, to help people in this area of rejection, of abuse, of finding themselves, of knowing who God calls them to be, and of dating with integrity and dating with joy Mm. and dating and actually liking the process, you know, (laughs) instead of loathing the process. So. Man, I could talk your ear off, Davey, but that's kind of bringing us to where we are today. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's so, wow. I feel like I'm sitting here writing notes. I've got so many different things, even just in the threads of the story, your story that you've shared, mm-hmm. of just places where I'm like, man, this is really so helpful for people as they're trying to navigate this space. You know, I'd, I'd love to zero in a little bit on this, you know, two and a half year, you call it a merry-go-round, right? Of abuse. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the thing I was thinking about. And and that's what, you know, we work uh, enough with uh, women who are in domestic violence situations. And obviously this has been a high um, rise of this over the past year and a half, all the, you know, with COVID and the the isolation that has taken place in people's lives. But what I'm noticing is a trend that you expressed that it's very difficult to even recognize that you're in Mm -hmm. an abusive relationship. How did you begin to recognize that? Um, and, and, you know, and start kind of putting the pieces together and then untangling it and going, you know, I've got to make a decision about this right now. I think the reality is we, uh, abuse 
can come in many forms, right? Mm-hmm. So it can be physical abuse, it could be spiritual abuse, it could right. be sexual abuse, it could be emotional abuse. And I almost every abusive scenario starts with some version of emotional abuse, usually. Mm, Um, And it leads into one of the other forms of abuse. And so the emotional abuse is a lot of manipulation, a lot of gaining control and power over somebody. And so that was happening for me very early on in my relationship. And that emotional abuse went on for over a year. And I can give examples of that. But that was the part that I could not see. I didn't have the lens to see that that was abuse at all. Mm. I just thought this person I thought there was honestly because of the gaslighting that there was something wrong with me because Mm. um, he was saying, well, you're so dramatic. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, look at the, he was deflecting. Well, look what you do here. Mm. And so it started with a lot in that first year of me sharing um, how I'm feeling and how something he would do would hurt me and him immediately taking defense and one of those tactics, like deflecting, putting it back on me. Well, you think that that's bad. Look what you did here. Mm. Not taking any ownership there whatsoever. Um, he would also go into just like going back to a circumstance in which I did something that was maybe off of my character and he would just reference reference that moment. Or he would say, you're so dramatic. Remember when this happened? You're just so dramatic. You're making this much bigger deal than it actually is. Me talking to that girl at the bar, like that meant nothing. You're just mm. being dramatic. I'm just talking to a person, Kate. Um, and so it would. I would be like, well, Am I being dramatic? Yeah, and you know, it, yeah, yeah you sure. start second guessing yourself. And so when that happens repeatedly, especially when your emotions are involved, what happens, and this is what my therapist explained that emotional abuse as, which then, uh, you know, it leads to the other things. But um, it's like if you take a case that you have and you bring it to the court of law, and let's say this is a good example. This guy I was dating found out many times that he was texting women behind my back, emotionally cheating on me, which led to also physically cheating on me. And it came a point where I was so set on finding proof that this was happening that I unfortunately went through his phone and I found texts of girls that he was mm. messaging behind my back. And so I have this proof, right? And so in a court of law, let's say this was like an actual court case, which right. what well, you know wouldn't be. But right. if I had brought the proof, like, well, here's all the records of all the people he's reaching out to, it would be obvious. The judge would be like, okay, you're right. The, here's all the proof, right? But what happens, and, and in that case of the court of law, if he was, you know, defending himself and trying to make it seem, well, but she did this, you know, it wouldn't make any sense because the hard proof facts are right there. Yeah. And the judge would not give him any credit for that, right? But in without a judge in the room, um, you are caught off so so much. It's just right. you and that person, right. and you are completely caught off guard. You're like, yeah. I know I'm right. I have the proof, but you will not validate my feelings, yeah. my hurt, my pain at all. And so it catches you so off guard. You're so disorienting, and with nobody else there to kind of validate that what you're feeling, what you're seeing and experiencing is right, you start feeling it, you start second guessing. And you're like, well, yeah. okay, maybe maybe I am being dramatic. Maybe it wasn't that big of a deal. Maybe this text is harmless. Or, oh, I know he really loves me. I mean, look at all the things he's done for me. And so without somebody else there to help you sort through the manipulation, yeah. it's really easy actually to get get warped into those lies. And then it starts these small seeds that you actually cannot trust yourself. Mm. Um, and that maybe you are too dramatic, or maybe that isn't that big of a deal. And what does that do over time? It makes it so that anytime you do bring up something that hurts you and that person re- reflects it back to, or deflects it back to you, you start believing, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess I am dramatic. So maybe I shouldn't have said anything or maybe he's right. Um, And what ends up happening is that you end up apologizing for bringing it up (laughs) when even when you weren't even in the wrong. Right. And so then you're left with shame. Like, am I, did I do something wrong? I didn't Mm. feel heard, but now I feel ashamed. It's very disorienting. It's incredibly confusing. And what an abusive toxic person does right after that is they can now see that they have, you know, the control over you in a sense, they have you emotionally weak. And so they'll come in with some love bombing or Mm. like, Oh babe, I love you so much. You know how much I care about you. And you're like, 
okay, yeah, I mean, I do know you care about me and that's exactly what you want to hear in that moment. Right. And so then you start thinking like, oh, they're not all that bad. That thing was, was too dramatic. I shouldn't have even brought that up. And then there you are again, they have the power over you. And so later on, and that emotional abuse is all about control and having power over a person, actually any abuses, but a lot of those abusive situations and red flags, I think that we miss early on have to do with some of that emotional abuse. Um, And for me, it definitely had to do with that. Uh, A lot of people in my life actually believed that my ex was valid. You know, they were like, oh, you are just being dramatic Um, because he was very convincing in his arguments. So when you have a narcissistic or manipulative person, it can be really hard unless you have people around you that are incredibly wise and discerning and um, will help you walk through and recognize like, no, 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 like that, that's seemingly yeah. like you need to be validated and heard there. And this person isn't hearing you. Yeah. Uh, so those are the things I missed early on Davey for me and my relationship. For well, sure. unpack that a little bit more, Kate, cause that's, that mm-hmm. leads to something else that you said about the, the, and you, you kind of mentioned it, you know, off the cuff, but right here it's, it's underscoring the importance of bringing the right community around you in your dating process, you know, that would have obviously been a tremendous thing for you to have in that season. What have you learned Mm -hmm. now as far as who, who are those, right? Like, how do you decipher who are the right community? You know, cause very easily we can bring people around that just kind of tickle our ears and tell us what we want to hear about something. Right. So there's, so what are the parameters for right community and, and what should we be looking for in, in terms of that, that you wish you had had? Yeah. So I think that one of the mistakes I made in my past was I let everybody into every detail. And Mm. then I had a lot of different voices speaking to me at once. And what I realized is you definitely need to share with people. There's two ends of the spectrum. You either tell everybody and you have too many voices all in the pot giving you their opinion, or you tell basically nobody. And neither one of those are going to actually be helpful uh, to to help you make wise, discerning decisions in your life. And so what I had to look, so that's the one thing you want to make sure you're not telling everybody or telling nobody. You want to tell some people, but you want to make sure that the some people that you're telling are the right people to be telling. And so that's where you have to look at the quality of the people that you're telling. Um, so here's a, here's a great example. I love my family like I do. And I spoke about them earlier, but they are not, some of my family members aren't necessarily leading their lives in a way that I want to lead my life. Mm. So as much as I love my family, there's certain people in my family dynamic that I'm not going to be telling and seeking specific kind of advice from Mm. just because they're a close person in my life. So I love them. I will, they'll be always, I'll always be close with them to a certain extent, but they're not the person I'm seeking wise counsel from, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, Mm. Because I've discerned like, is the health and how they're moving in their life? Is it towards Jesus? What are the, what are the fruits of the spirit in their life? You know, what are, do I want to become more like that person? Which is a different question than do I just like being around them? Or are they an easy person for me to tell because I've known them for a long time? Sometimes that's what we default Mm. to, but I would say challenge the quality of the people you're telling, um, what direction and where are they moving in their life? At that time in my life, I had nice people in my life and they were, my friends at the time, but I would I wouldn't say they were people that were challenging me in ways that were moving in the way of Jesus, yeah. you know. And yeah. so I really, after my abusive relationship, had to look at who was I, what voices was I inviting in. I actually changed church communities entirely, and I moved into a new set of friends that actually were just so wise in the spirit and mm. loved God and had so many fruits of the spirit in their life, had had rich discipleship and accountability already in their lives. And so I then was able to to surround myself with people that were already seeking that out, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. I think it's really, really important to be vulnerable, but to also do it with people with a small amount of really trusted people that know you and that are also people that are walking in their lives in a way that you also want to walk. Yeah. No, that's great. That's so good. Yeah. That's one of the most difficult things I think about, um, just community in general is, are these people, Mm -hmm. you know, really evaluating, are these people pointing me more toward Christ, helping me to transform more into the image of Christ, or are they just kind of helping me walk this path that I, I really, it's kind of easy. I'm not, they're not, 
they're not ruffling the feathers at all. They're not trying to, you know, yeah. they're not they're, what scripture talks about spurring each other on toward love and good deeds and, and stirring each other yeah. up and encouragement. I always like to think about, they need to be encouraging, but they also need to be challenging. And if you yes. don't have, yes. you've got to have both of those to really point you toward Christ. I love that. The Pain to Purpose devotional released on July 22nd, and since then we have been blown away with the response and orders from you, our Nothing is Wasted community. It has been such a humbling experience to see people get their hands on the devotional and to hear how God is using this devotional to meet people in their pain. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support, prayers, and responses to this passion project that I have put my heart and soul into. Now, if you haven't already ordered the devotional, we still have more copies available for you or someone else that is wanting encouragement to get through a valley. Over this 42-day journey, we believe that God can and will meet you in your pain. To start the journey and order your copy of the Pain to Purpose devotional, head over to paintopurposedevo.com and use the code PODCAST to receive 20% off the purchase of the devotional. Again, that's paintopurposedevo.com. Dot com and make sure you use the code podcast for 20% off. You, you mentioned to this, uh, this, this season that you said, okay, there wasn't out of 10 years, there wasn't a single mm. season that you were mm. single. And that you were faced and confronted with a lot of your yourself, right? Like having to wrestle with God in a lot of these spaces now, these things that had happened in your past, these things that you had um, experienced. Can you unpack that, that, uh, that season right yeah. there where you begin confronting these things and you're face to face? I think of Jacob, right? When he's wrestling yeah, with yeah. God. Yeah. And, you know, the real depth of that meaning is that he's actually in some ways wrestling with, you know, the, the God in him. It's like wrestling mm-hmm. with himself in a lot of ways. He was yeah. confronted with his, his past and his identity. What was that like for you as you were mm. trying to become this person uh, that God intends for you to become? Yeah, it was, a, it was a, the hardest season in my life, um, coming face to face with the reality that you don't really like yourself and you're mm. afraid to admit that to yourself. And weirdly, I was also afraid to admit that to God. I was like, <laughs> I, w- I would go to church, I would pray, you know, I, 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 d- I was walking the church walk, let's say that. Right, like right. I looked like I'm going to church, I'm raising my hands, I'm volunteering, I'm all the things. But I was afraid to share intimate details of my own shame mm. and my own lack of loving myself with God. I was like, I will, I will just be there to worship you, God, and thank you for things and, you know, pray for things I want, but I would, I'm not going to reveal the depths of my heart, which yeah. is really funny because like God knows all, right? So mm. I'm like, but I'm going to hide it away and pretend like he doesn't <laughs> know those things. Um, so when I, the beautiful part actually about my relationship ending was it also gave me an opportunity to search for a new community. So what ended up happening was I, because I had to get away from this person. So I, I found this new community in the city I was living in. And I remember soon after I joined that church, they had a retreat called Hearing the Voice of God Retreat. Mm. And I knew nobody going on this retreat. And I was like, I'm just going to go and we're going to see what happens. And, you know, sounds like something I need to hear the voice of God. That'd probably be nice. (laughs) And uh, so, and so it went and I'll never forget the first, the second day there, there was an afternoon of about four to five hours where we weren't allowed to have any devices or encouraged to not use any devices and just literally just spend time soaking in the spirit and connecting with God and journaling and walking and just experiencing God. Um, And I was like, what am I going to do for all? all of those hours. Like I've never spent that much time away from my devices and from people and just spending that much time with God, the silence and the solitude and the stillness yeah. it freaked me out. And, uh, I was also afraid because I knew that that in that time, like there are going to be things I'm not going to be able to hide all those little things I was yeah. trying to keep from God, you know? And so it was in that, um, those three, those four hours, um, that I was terrified at first, but as I allowed God to work in my heart, I started just hearing him speak to me that 
um, I was never alone and that he loved me more than I could ever imagine. Mm. And just in that touch of love, I started realizing like, maybe there are things that I don't realize about myself that God wants me, wants to re-reveal about myself to myself. And I started getting a picture of myself as a young girl and realizing and being able to see the the beauty and the innocence of who I was, you know, at like the age of seven. And now when I when I have visions with God, it's always me at that age, like the age of seven. Oh, I wow. picture yeah. some sort of purity at that age. Yeah. And um and just like the the amount of joy I had, the uh, you know, I still was so curious about the world. I nothing traumatic really had happened yet in my life, and I wasn't that fearful. I had no fear. I was like going outside, doing all these things <laughs> in nature, and I loved it. And just God reminded me of like these are the things I've created you to be. You know, I've created you for this hunger and this joy in life. I've created you um, with this passion for people and a passion for love, which I started in that season having to unpack for myself. Like I'm just so addicted to love, I need to not be in love ever again, or I remove myself from it. But God started re revealing to me that actually. It's beautiful that I have a romantic heart and a romantic spirit. And instead of trying to move directly away from that, what would it look like to have a healthy relationship with that part of myself um, and just yeah. heal the ways in which I was attaching in love um, and putting too much of my identity in love? And so it was in that season where God was like, well, you have been putting so much of yourself and all these other things. Let's bring back all those pieces to start rebuilding who Kate is. And so, Davey, wow. in this exercise for myself, what I love helping other people do is something that I had to do for myself, which is, you know, we always write down, I think always, maybe not always, but a lot of times when we're dating, we write down a list of like, a few things that we're looking for in somebody or some people have a list of like 50 things they're looking for. And I'm like, wow, y'all. Okay. We need to adjust that because that's a lot. But anywho, um, you know, we, we write down, we have an idea maybe of what we're looking for and we're like kind of trying to go out there and date and, and look for those specific things. But what I had to think about for myself and what I love challenging people to do is like, do you know what you have to bring to a relationship? Mm. Do you know what you have to offer somebody? And um, do you know what unique things are in you that God has specifically and intimately placed there? And so I basically, over the course of those few years, started recalibrating, like, what are those things? Who does God say that I am? Who am I called to be? Um, what are those unique parts of myself that are beautiful? And yeah. even the thing of me like performing, like I mentioned earlier, what I realized was there was a way for me to heal that part of myself so that it doesn't me um, having, you know, a high capacity for striving and for being efficient. That isn't bad, but it's just unhealthy when I tie my full identity to it. Mm, so what does yeah. it look like to heal some of those parts of myself, but still keep that quality? It's a good quality. Actually, I'm proud of that yeah. quality, you know, but I'm not going to attach my identity to success or right. to being the best at everything. So kind of, you know, reshifting where my identities were, even in my identity towards romance. And so, you know, and then walking now into dating yeah. saying, if somebody rejects me or if somebody is treating me poorly, um, I don't have to take that as like, I'm, I deserve it. You know, mm. it's, it, no, you're never deserving of somebody mistreating you. Absolutely yeah. not. And if somebody rejects you, it doesn't mean that you're unworthy. It doesn't mean that you're not interesting. It doesn't mean that you're not a wonderful, amazing creation that is still worthy of beautiful things in your life. And so, but in order to know that we have to get back to understanding God's love for us, healing those wounds, and then also knowing, rebuilding, like knowing who we uniquely are, yeah. um, which helps us in dating because not everybody is going to be for us. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, you had the season where you, you stepped back from the whole dating game in general, you know, yeah. and you're like, I'm, I'm, I've got to, I've got to figure out who I am in Christ. I've got to heal. Yeah. And, yeah. um, regardless of what situation has brought us into singleness, whether we're single, never been married or we're divorced, and now we're single again, and we're trying to figure out timing of dating with and kids and how and all that, or we're widowed or whatever it is that has brought us into that space. I believe mm -hmm. that same principle is true. There is a time of healing. And I experienced mm -hmm. that in my own life. There's a time of healing that has to happen. And then there's a shift where you kind of begin mm -hmm. to recognize 
okay, I'm ready. Or I feel like, even though you said, right, you're, you're never going to be fully ready. That, right. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. um, but, but I'm, I feel like I'm ready, but it can be a little bit ambiguous sometimes to know, yeah. right. Am I yeah. healed? To what degree am I healed? Am I, do I know who I am? Do I, how do I know? Am I, am I ready to date? What's that? How do you discern that now? If you're t- helping people, you know, maybe yeah. through your own experience too. Like, okay. Now I feel like yeah. I'm ready. What, what kind mm-hmm. of principles can we extrapolate from that season for you to say, these are the ways that you can begin to know this is how, this is how you know you're ready. Oh man. Well, this is the thing is I'm just going to bring it to modern day. Like today, Kate in 2021 dating, you know, because I'm still unmarried myself and I love to share with people that, yeah, even though my abusive relationship was years ago, I mean, it was over eight years ago now, but does it mean that now it's been eight years, I took a lot of time to heal, I've done, I continuously do healing. Does it mean that I'm never triggered about anything right. relating to betrayal or to pit potential sexual assault or mm-hmm. anything of that nature? No, the answer is no. Uh, the triggers don't just disappear entirely. But now, right. but what it what I can commit to myself and to somebody I'm potentially dating is that. I always say, as I start getting into a more serious dating relationship with somebody, I'm like, here are the things that I know that I struggle with or that may be harder for me. Um, here are the things I know I'm still working through. But what you will should know about me is that I am, no matter what happens, no matter what comes up, I am committed to growth. If mm. I re- deeply hurt you, if something unexpectedly triggers me and I don't deal with it as quickly as I would hope to have, uh, deal deal with that trigger, I'm committed to growth. I'm That's committed great. to seeing my therapist, to yeah. bringing it to my mentors, and that it, committed to praying through it. And I will be committed to working on that thing. Mm. And I think that above all, that's what we can offer somebody, you know? Um, so I do think that there's layers and levels where we'll be more ready than we are in other right. times. And I think the the way we can gauge that is bring that community, that rich yeah. community in that is around you. Those people are going to be the best sounding boards. Yeah. If you're like bringing them into your healing process and they're walking alongside of you um, and you trust them and they know the things you're wrestling with, if you feel, you know what, I might be ready to date. You tell a handful of those people and you ask them like, this is where I'm at. Where do you, what do you think? Where do you, like, you've seen me walk on this healing journey. Do you think I'm ready? I'd love to know your thoughts there. And they'll be able to weigh in, you know, like, but if you're already afraid to tell your, your people that you're going to date again, then, then maybe you need a little more time. Okay. (laughs) Maybe, maybe you do need more time, but the reality is this too. Maybe your people say yes. Maybe you're like, yeah, get out there, Kate, try dating again. Um, and you try it and you notice like some things coming up for you. This is a great opportunity. The thing is dating does bring it up. That's right. I mean, it brings up yeah. so many more things than you just have to deal with even in your own friendships or family dynamics. That kind of intimacy mm-hmm. does bring up a lot of different traumas and triggers mm-hmm. for people that you don't always have to deal with in everyday life. And so don't be afraid of that. If that happens, okay, oh my gosh, instead of running away from this, mm-hmm. like are there tools that I can, that I have in my tool belt that I can pull out right now? Is there some, is this an opportunity for me to seek further healing? Can that healing be done while I'm in a relationship or does that healing need to be done outside of a relationship? Mm, You know, Uh, there's never going to be one perfect scenario and season where like, Oh, well I got all my healing out (laughs) of the way and now we are good and nothing's coming up again. I am now Jesus and I'm ready to date. Right? Oh wait, he didn't date. So yeah, right. <laughs> you know, right. It'd be so much easier. We right. just all stay single forever. Right. Okay. Oh yeah. You know, it's yeah. it, we've been we've been really um, trying to be careful in this singleness series that we're in mm-hmm. ab- about helping people understand that you know you've heard the the adage and I'm sure you've used the adage the that yeah. singleness is not a sickness, right? Inherently, right. there is nothing wrong with singleness. Some people yeah. are called to this. They're called to singleness. Mm-hmm. Paul even says that mm-hmm. it might even be better for you if you're single in terms of the Undivided impact. That, devotion. Exactly. The impact you can make for <laughs> yeah. the kingdom and your devotion to the yeah. Lord. And yet there's a lot of pain points <clears throat> within singleness, you know, mm-hmm. uh, even in that wrestling uh, of, of, yeah. of, you know, there's some who are, who just know deep in their spirit. No, I, I know I'm, I feel called to 
marriage. I feel called to this relationship that maybe God has for me. Um, with that being kind of the, the overarching thread, what would you say, Kate, is probably the most difficult thing in your experience mm-hmm. as you work with other people about being a, a Christian woman mm-hmm. dating? And there's so many, I'm sure, complexities oh. too, right? I know, of course. This, yeah. You have an entire podcast about right. not just for women, but for also men. But it's, you know, what would you yeah. say is the most difficult that you really, man, this one's right here. I would say the hardest thing that we, one of the hardest things that we deal with, and I said, would say as a woman, I'm in my 30s dating, unmarried. Um, and I think that this pressure comes for both genders, but I think we experience it, especially for women. You know, the church and culture at large, we love to celebrate marriage and kids mm. and families. And what we what is missing is a celebration of what a single person does when mm. they step out in faith to do something that's really hard. Because what what is marriage? Getting married is a stepping out in faith to commit to something that is really going to be hard, right. you know, and right. it's going to be challenging, but also beautiful. And yeah. so I would love to see more of a shift that we're not just talking. We are talking talking and celebrating marriage and family and all those beautiful things, yeah. but that the church and more community at large, but especially if we can in the body of Christ, start celebrating um, singles and mm. not treating singles like your only option is to get married and then you can <laughs> be used. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm like, what, what? Like how mm. it went, the, the craziest thing about that is if even if you look historically to so many of the people that have done great things for the kingdom of God, even made yeah. radical religious movements throughout the years, majority of all those people have been single right. people. Wow. Okay. Like, let me just like, mm-hmm. okay. And so, but it, it is so funny because today our culture has shifted and that we, to be single in your thirties or later than that is like a weird, you, you are like yeah. the zebra with one stripe that everyone's staring at. Like what's right. wrong with you? You know, like you don't fit in. <laughs> in some contexts you can't, there's ministry jobs that you can't get because you're single, right? They're yes. like part of the prerequisite right. is you have to be married for a certain number of years. And you're like, wait, what? Jesus wouldn't yes. qualify for this job. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. It's so weird. And so yeah. I think that especially as a woman, you add on top of that mm. for women, our biological clock, and then we feel this pressure and guys, you know, yeah. you see the pressure after 30 shifting that guys are kind of like, well, I kind of like my life and I can focus on my career and have my dudes. And the women are like, oh my gosh, I need mm. to make babies. Like my ovaries yeah. are, what's <laughs> happening down there? And you see this like the shift for women specifically where we're like, (gasps) the pressure is on. And then what I see, especially for women in their thirties, um, I mean, it doesn't, this still happens in the twenties, but I would say in thirties and upwards is we start falling into a scarcity mindset. Mm. We see marriage as this means to an end as like this thing that has to happen. Like I, it's this desire in my heart. So ultimate, so we convince ourselves that that means that God is absolutely guaranteed to fill it, which It's not a guarantee, (laughs) Um, but we, we convince ourselves that we are entitled to it and that it's going to happen. And then we start having falling into scarcity mentality when it doesn't happen. And when year after year goes by, we're like, well, why am I the only one that's stuck here? Why is that? Why did that friend get married? Or Mm. I'm going to church, God, I'm serving you well. I'm leading this Bible study. And why am I still left with this guy that ghosts me? And, Mm. you know, and then we, we, we start slipping into scarcity mentality and forgetting that God is a God of abundance. And by the more that we fall into the scarcity mentality, the more we lose out on the beauty that God wants to do right, right here in our lives and the ability that we have as singles to have the undivided devotion to the Lord and do epic things for the kingdom. Yeah. And I, I'd say you're saying this as like to anybody listening, also to not be the person that's like the pastor just speaking it over to you when they are married and happily have the family and all the things. <laughs> right. Like, I get it. I'm not married. Yeah. I've been through so many heartbreaks. And, um, you know, I I still really find such a richness and joy in my, my current se- season of singleness. Yeah. Uh, and so, and even with every heartbreak, God is still abundant. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that there's no good future out there for me, whether that includes a man or not. So that's so good. You know, you alluded to one of these heartbreaks that are one of most, one of your most recent ones that really led to or propelled you into what you're doing Mm -hmm. right now. 
And, you know, you've just released this book called Thank You for Rejecting Me. And uh, a lot of that theme is this idea of rejection. I love one of the things that you, that the one of the themes that you thread through this, that rejection is actually redirection, right? Mm-hmm. And it's God's protection. I love that because I'm a preacher and that'll preach, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'll right. preach all day the long. The alliteration, right? We it's gotta, memorable. We gotta, it's, it's portable. Catchy. Here Let's we go. go. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also very, very true. And um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a reason things are either cliche or memorable or catchy because there's some there's truth behind it that is powerful. Mm-hmm. Will you unpack that for me? Maybe even with your own experience, how mm-hmm. this rejection becomes this redirection if we can reframe that in our in our minds. Yeah. So when a rejection hits of whatever kind it is, whether it's a heartbreak or you're feeling you got betrayed or somebody abandoned you or you just feel left out of a situation, um, whatever the rejection is, um, you got told no or the door closed. Um, I think I don't think in that initial moment of the rejection that we're <laughs> like, well, awesome. I mean, thank you for rejecting me. Um, this rejection is protection. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, I don't necessarily think in that first moment that that's like the response, nor am I encouraging for people to have that initial response because I actually think that we need to allow ourselves to feel the weight of potential pain from that rejection. And that's an important part of this process to heal and move forward is to be able to say, wow, that really does hurt or that really broke my heart. And this feels really painful. And it's what we we do with that pain. Do we start compartmentalizing it, shoving it down or discounting it, saying, I shouldn't feel that bad about this or I should be over it by now? Or do we allow ourselves to, the space to process that pain, to bring it to God and to work through it and navigate it? And in the last chapter of my book, I talk about something that I call just uh, hopeful grieving. Um, mm. So what does it look like to have hope and grief at the same time, yeah. you know, and because um, grieving is so necessary in this process right. of right. Re- any kind of rejection and allowing yeah. yourself the space to lament, to bring that pain to God because he is, he wants to be in that with you. Um, and that I think as, as Christians and gosh, you do such a good job of this Davey sharing your story and in, in this through your podcast here, but I think it's really easy as Christians to just want to like cloak a silver bow on a sentence and be like, right. When someone asks you, like, how are you, you want you want to just be like, well, I'm having a hard time, but God is good, mm-hmm. you know, but he is good and everything is fine and all will be, you know, mm-hmm. instead of allowing someone actually into the depth of like, maybe right now I'm not feeling that okay, right. actually. Right. And maybe I, I really need some support, yep. <laughs> you know? And so I think we have to be okay with not being okay sometimes That's right. That's and right. inviting people into that grief with us. But also saying that, you know, hope isn't the absence of pain. It is the ability to focus on a future good, um, that God does promise us some form of future good. And so when we're grieving, when we're lamenting, when we're bringing these moments of pain from our rejection or the past traumas, we can also still set our sights for future hope, that future or that in hope that there is future good coming, you know, we don't know what that future good is going to be. And that's where we have to surrender it. Cause a lot of times the control freaks like me are like, (laughs) well, what is it? What is the future good? Does it mean my husband's coming next year? What is the future good? You know, but like God doesn't promise us what that future good is or when it's going to happen how it's going to happen, like any of it, you know, but we have to know that future good is going to come in some form or fashion. And so, um, a lot of times, you know, I, I, I just find myself in the moments of heartbreak or in rejection, I have no idea how God is going to redeem that moment. Mm. But what I like to do is think back to a time that he did That's good. some point in my life, you know, because in this moment, it can feel so big. And it is big to me because it's my it's my heart and it's that moment and right. it, it feels really weighty. But was there a time in my past that God came through and, and revealed his goodness through time? And if you don't know that, that, that moment for yourself, I mean, this is a great opportunity yeah. to think about the times that God has shown his goodness to you. Right. Um, because I think we just easily skate over those times and we forget. And <clears throat> I'd like to put stakes in the ground 
ground yeah, for good. you to remind yourself like of that moment two years ago when he came through financially or mm. this moment when he redeemed that relationship with your friend or that moment where there was an opportunity to have a conversation with your family member that you never would have thought you would have had. Mm. Like these are beautiful moments of healing and restoration that God is working through and weaving through time. And so um, in the moment where we are grieving the pain of the rejection, we can still fix our eyes on the future right. good that God will do, and which case that rejection is redirecting <laughs> us at some point yes. to that future good. Uh, you that's know? awesome. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. As you were saying that, I was thinking about the fact that you know we don't see a clone of miracles in the Bible, right? Yeah. Oh, there's so many different miracles, both yeah. in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and we don't mm. see anywhere where it's the same exact one, which tells us that the way that God's going to come through for us in this moment is not going to be the mm-hmm. same as how he came through for us, you know, came through for us in the, in the past, yeah. but the reality that he will is. And so we can't presuppose, okay. And strategize. This is how he's going to do it because <laughs> right. he always comes in with this surprise, right? Only one time did yes. they march around Jericho seven times. And then the walls, right. That was not a part of yeah. the battle strategy any other time, <laughs> but yes, right? exactly. Jesus healed all yeah. these people in different ways you know, multiple blind people, but all in different ways. And so there's these many different ways that God, and that's, what's so exciting about following Jesus and what he brings into our life is that it's always, we never know. It's like just around the corner, this breakthrough is going to happen in our lives. And that good is most, most often at first, it's the good in us. And then God's so good that he brings some icing on the cake, right? To to bring yeah. things back into our lives as well. So it's, it's yeah. so good. Kate, I'm glad you have a podcast because I could listen to you talk about this all day long and I'm glad that that's <laughs> out there now and everybody can listen to you talk about this all day long. It's amazing. How can we follow what you're doing? How can we get connected with you? Yeah. This is so fun, Davey. Oh yeah, I would love it if y'all are single dating or just, you know, hey, here's a side note. Even if you're not single or dating, we all take sing- marriage advice from Paul, who was a single hey, person. Okay, so I just want to say you still can start <laughs> dating even if you're married. I love it. Um, I always like to bring that in like, well, the best person in the Bible right. that talked about marriage was a single person. <laughs> Hello. I love it. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, my podcast is Heart of Dating. We do all things dating over there. If you go to heartofdating.com, we have a big community. Um, We're really about community. So if you are a single person Mm. or a dating person that feels really alone or feels confused or has questions, we welcome you in to like ask those questions. We have a giant community of thousands of people just walking through that together on Facebook and through a lot of our events. And then on Instagram, join the party. We're at Kateness and Heart of Dating and we post fun things over there and do lives and have a great old time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah. Kate, thanks so much for what you're doing. Thanks for joining us today and spending some time really pouring into our listeners. This is awesome. Thank you, Davey. This is amazing. Thanks for what you do. It's beautiful. Okay, I know, listeners, that you liked Kate as much as I did. She has so much wisdom, such a good word for single people. And, and I, you know, we see God doing this all the time, but he takes our pain points so Mm. often and turns them into these powerful ministries for other people. And I feel like because of... Kate's um, the abusive relationship that she talked about and some of her pain in singleness. Now she's really empowering other single people. And I, I don't know, I just yeah. think her story is worth sharing. Yeah. It's worth listening to again, really powerful stuff. And yeah. we have brought back our producer, Taylor Carlier, to be Hello. here with Taylor. us. Hi, Taylor. So here. And p- <laughs> part of this is because Davey and I recognize the optics of the fact that we are two married people talking about right. singleness. And though we we are passionate about single people. Mm-hmm. You're great supporters of singles. I will say that both of you. Yes. Oh, thank you, Taylor. Oh, thank you, Taylor. That's so encouraging. <laughs> you could tell we're both words of affirmation people, too. Yeah. <laughs> so like, good say, at this. Say like, oh, more, Taylor. Thank you. We need that. <laughs> We felt like we wanted Taylor to come share her wisdom and her heart yeah. with you because um, she is a single woman. She has a lot of passion and a lot of wisdom around this topic. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Kate talked about really was scarcity versus abundance when it comes to singleness. And I feel mm-hmm. like that has to be a struggle for a lot of, well, it's for all of us anyway, but especially when it comes to dating. Yeah. Taylor, what did you think about that? Yeah, no, for sure. I 
I actually was thinking as, as soon as I listened to this episode and was hearing her talk specifically about abundance, I thought back to a couple of years ago, I actually met Davey because I went to Resonate Church mm-hmm. um, and I was a leader in the student section there, which is our student mm-hmm. ministry. And I preached at one point and I to the student section and I was preparing a sermon that actually happened right after I was just getting out of an interesting dating experience at the time where mm. I felt like God had like opened this door or kind of told me that um, it was okay for me to go on this dating app. And I ended up meeting a guy on there. Um, and there's nothing wrong with dating apps. Kate Warman will talk about that too. She <laughs> she talks about that um, on Heart of Dating. And I I've been on apps before, but I just felt this specific open door to get on this dating app um, a couple of years ago. And I did. And I met this guy who ended up being really awesome, honestly. And um, it didn't work out. Mm. And then I had to go preach a sermon to the student oh. section. <laughs> Oh, like right after. Yeah, pretty oh. so, pretty soon after. And I and I was just thinking the whole time I just was like, you know, like why kind of the thing where it's like God taking a good thing from you and right. I know Kate talks about that. Sometimes I'm just like I don't mm. get like why didn't that work? Like yeah. why wasn't that the thing? Yeah. And um you know, he showed me a picture of uh the disciples kind of, you know, he they had already been called to ministry and yet they went back to fishing one day and mm. which was their previous profession yeah. and this was like after the death and resurrection yes. of Jesus they had yes. actually witnessed the resurrection yes they yeah. already yeah. resurrected they Jesus. already yeah. really knew what their calling was supposed to be right. but they decided you know we'll just we'll just fish a little bit too wow. and uh, <laughs> you know all night long they didn't catch anything and then Jesus comes I mean we know the story and yeah. and they get an abundance of fish mm-hmm. um, right mm-hmm. when he tells them. But it always made me, you know, at the time I just was like, I know better because God has told me that it wasn't time yet. Like mm-hmm. I already knew in my spirit that this and, you know, however long that will stay that like that season of singleness was still supposed to be happening, that God was calling me mm-hmm. to other things. Yeah. And yet um, in kind of my own striving and and, and my own earthly way of of looking at a good thing and being like this should be the thing that works Mm. um it was hard to realize that god god had abundance in my future when it felt like like he could have just given that to me now like why didn't he just give Mm. that to me now and so i mean it helped inform my sermon a bit (laughs) to the students but i mean that's really those things i i felt like more than anything god gave me that open window or that open door to go on that specific app to honestly teach me that lesson wow. Of, wow. of the goodness and the abundance that he can have, um, whether you get the thing or not. Yeah. Um, I, okay. So as you're so talking, good, I'm sitting here thinking, and I want to create a little bit of tension right here oh, good. because, uh, well, because you're an eight and, <laughs> and you're challenging. No, 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 no. I'm not challenging anything you're saying right here. I'm actually, you know, leaning into it a little more because I can imagine as I look across the landscape, it seems like to me there are more, you know, single women who are following hard after God, who are loving the Lord, who are surrendered to Him. It seems like there's more of them than there are single men. It feels like that sometimes. That's what it feels yeah. like, right? It mm-hmm. feels like it feels that. like that for me too. I mean, yeah. and, and 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 even statistics, you know, it's not just anecdotally or what we feel, but even statistics can can further support this. You know, I mean, our podcast listeners are, I mean largely a majority women, right? Women. <laughs> women, people who mm-hmm. engage in relational and spiritual endeavors, like take yeah. faith mm-hmm. steps, attending church, stuff like that. Seems being like being in small groups, right? Being yeah. small, it seems mm-hmm. like that's a large majority women. And so I have to imagine that, especially for single girls out there, Taylor, it feels like there's a scarcity, you know? Oh, and so talk sure. about the tension there, even if they're reality, if the reality seems like, Oh, this yeah. is a scarcity. Yeah. How do you not slip into a scarcity mentality? Yeah. You know, that definitely is what it feels like. And I feel like at the time, you know, when God was trying to show me more about his abundance, it was, he just gave me this vision of once, like they put their net on the other side of the boat once mm. and got that mm. abundance. Wow. It does not have wow. to, there doesn't have to be 50 fish in the sea or whatever yeah, for, me, for, for me to find that one. Yeah. It just has to happen one time. That's I only great. need to meet wow. that one person. Um, 
and it, it doesn't it's not this like poof genie moment right. necessarily because you yeah. know everybody's like I'm waiting on the one it's not like that <laughs> it's just that I don't, like, I don't have to go on 500 dates yeah you don't have to put your, your nets Net in 500 in thousand, times 500 in fact times. they yeah. put it in yeah. 500 times on the wrong side of the boat and it didn't work it didn't work yeah. and yeah. so come on wow. but I just, have to, I just have to put in the net once seriously when, Taylor when Jesus says when he says where he says where he says That's how right. he says mm. in abundance wow. will come Wow, that is so good, good Taylor. That's so good. Shoo, man. So I even think about Jesus. He, he, when at the point of his finger, the snap of his finger, the nod of his head, he brings scarcity where he wants. Yeah. Right. Where he withholds mm-hmm. where he chooses. Yep. I mean, he yep. caused a uh, a fig fig leaf to wither up just yep. by you know commanding it to. Um, but he also brings abundance where yep. he wants. And so really the key is not the provision, it's the provider. Yep. And trusting in, in yeah. that and the next right thing and the next right thing that he's asking you to do to get to that place. True. That's so, so good, Taylor. Man. Well, we're passionate about helping you partner with God to um, lean into him in whatever season that you're in and uh, partnering with God to take back your story. That is a, a fundamental belief that we have, that he is writing redemption stories. He's in the process of that. That's right. The question that we often wrestle with is, are we aligning ourselves with, just like we've talked about right here, are we aligning ourselves with the redemptive purposes that God has for each one of our lives in the midst of our pain? That's what we want to help you with. You can check out all the resources that we uh, provide to help you with that at nothingiswasted.com. You can check out our pain to purpose course. Um, we offer that through churches that we partner with. Uh, we offer it to individuals uh, that you can uh, purchase and take on your own. You can also hire a certified guide. Uh, they will help you one-on-one through the pain to purpose pathway. You can join a community group um, and all of that can be found at nothingiswasted.com. We want to help you as you're journeying this pain to purpose journey. Uh, we want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Go and listen to his music anywhere where you can download and stream music. And you can follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Follow me at Davey Blackburn. Follow Aubrey at Obsam. Follow Taylor at Taylor Carlier. That's right. Next week, we continue our singleness series with Michelle Donnelly. So be sure to stick around for that. And just a reminder for everyone, this singleness series, I mean, I just learned so much from you, Taylor. This is not a series just for single people. This is a series for everyone. If we we have to sit through marriage sermons, then... That's really good, Taylor. <laughs> so let's go ahead and take a listen to part of Davy's conversation with Michelle Donnelly. I met my ex-husband in high school. And so being very young and being in a relationship, not fully understanding myself or relationship dynamics, I ended up in a situation that was very unhealthy from the get-go. And yet in the midst of that, I just continued to press through. And I think like a lot of women in this situation, you just don't really even know what's going on. You're not totally aware. And when it comes to abusive type situations, there's a lot of confusion that happens. There's a lot of deception that happens. So for a woman who might be listening, who's in that spot and is thinking, oh my goodness, I can't believe that I didn't see this. We all feel that way. Yeah, that's that's completely uh, common Mm -hmm. to experience it that way, yeah. But so as I'm struggling for answers and trying to figure out how I move through this and what is my story going to be? How is God gonna work through this? 